Hello and welcome to Statehouse Soundbites, WITF's Pennsylvania politics podcast. We're coming to you from Little Amps Coffee Shop down the street from the Capitol. I'm Katie Meyer, State Capitol Bureau Chief for WITF. You can hear my stories on public radio stations across the state, including WHYY in Philly, WESA in Pittsburgh, and WPSU in State College. Uh, here with me today in Little Amps is Mark Levy of the AP. Mark, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. All right. So we had a session this week. Uh, they were here Monday through Wednesday. Um, I was not here, so I had to catch up a little bit retroactively. But some big things did happen. Um, you know, what would you say is the most important thing people should be watching that came out of this week? Probably the gambling legislation that came out of the Senate. It was a really big piece of legislation that had a lot of different moving parts, and it's going to be a very central player uh, in the coming month as lawmakers and the governor try to put together a budget that deals with a massive deficit. And we've talked about this on here before. Um, you know, they have consistently been putting in you know, pockets of money that were supposed to be from gaming revenue into the budget. We had $100 million in this current fiscal year's budget. Governor Wolf's net newest proposal has $150 million. So, I mean, obviously, this has been something that they've been working on for a very long time, unsuccessfully. Um, did they, like, make progress this week? Did they actually, like, take a step forward, you're saying? The, the fact that the Senate popped out a bill uh, is uh, if, if you're uh, trying to get uh, an, a gambling expansion in Pennsylvania, that's progress. Um, now, we can expect the House to make changes to this, and, and they are counting votes to try to expand it farther with uh, putting sort of slot machine style games. The term of art is VGT or video gambling terminal, video gaming terminal. That could go in bars, it could go in truck stops, it could go in fraternal clubs or fire halls that actually have a liquor license. Right. Um, and so, and, now, it's, and it's seen as the biggest moneymaker from gambling for the state uh, because you would be taxing the receipts on them. And so I do want to get into that a little bit more because there's some interesting, I think, discussion happening around the VGTs. But uh, so the bill that came out of the Senate, though, doesn't include that. What it does include yeah, let's, is principally iGaming, right? That's the big one. Well, there, there's a few, there's there's a few, a few things. things, but you're right, you're right. So iGaming, in other words, letting the state's uh, licensed casinos put up websites that are gateways to gambling in theory you could you could uh, enter through a mobile app on your phone and you would be able to play slot machine style games which right now casinos aren't really where you pull the arm on it you're just pushing buttons on it uh you would be able to play card games blackjack poker things like that um the state would take its customary tax on that and for the right for a casino to, uh, you know, create a, an online portal to these games, they would pay $10 million, a one-time fee that would essentially form the backbone of the short-term money the state wants to get from this. Um, that, that is the upfront money. Um, it's right now the big dog in terms of moneymaker in, in what the Senate passed. Another important element of it, would be iLottery, and the Wolf administration wants this to let, let the lottery essentially do what the casinos could do, but the lottery could take its games online. You would be able to log into it through a mobile app or through a, a web browser um, and play lottery-style games. It's sort of seen as the future or the potential future of lottery, of finding new players and younger players uh, who increasingly like to gamble online or play fantasy sports 
um, and in Pennsylvania, the lottery funds programs for the elderly. Uh, this is an old state, and it's going to have a dramatic uh, increase in the number of uh, over 60 people in the coming decades. So the Wolf Administration is looking for ways to help its lottery fund. All right. So there's also another component of the bill, uh, local share fix. This is something that happened, what, it started in September? Yeah, so the state Supreme Court struck down a part of the original 2004 casino gambling law, which essentially gives uh, a cut of casino revenue to the local governments. It's been a big money maker for the counties and the municipalities around these casinos. It's a big deal. It's a lot of money for them. Uh, when you talk about the size of local budgets compared to these millions of dollars that the casinos are distributing, the court struck it down because it was treating casinos differently. So the the Senate has tried to reinvent that um, by slapping basically just a $10 million fee on every every large casino in in the state. and so we did see, I mean, there was a deadline that was baked into this back in September when the Supreme Court struck this down. And I think there was a lot of hay made about that deadline, the fact that the legislature wasn't really going to make it to fix the local share. But we didn't really see any concrete changes. And I think there, people might be wondering, you know, why haven't we seen any changes related to that? And it's because casinos more or less, you know, they made deals with their host communities to keep that money flowing while the legislature figured this out, right? That's right. Uh, the, the majority of casinos have kept the money flowing. And even even, you know, the deadline is essentially today, Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but the important part is that the next payment under this is due in July. So that's, right. uh, in a sense, where the rubber meets, meets the road. Right. And so it does look like we're going to have it done by then. Quite possibly, yeah, unless it, you know, collapses uh, among <laughs> a middle larger disagreement over uh, a gambling expansion. Sure, sure. All right. And then uh, we mentioned airport gaming as yeah, well. Yeah, so this this novel concept of putting uh, essentially gambling parlors in airports. Um, the, the casinos would be able to get an agreement with an airport authority and create a, a place where you could go and gamble, log in through an app or uh, a web browser and, and gamble. So um, I guess theoretically you could be capturing a lot of travelers who don't even live here and right, have time on their people. hands. Yeah. And, um, you know, people who travel have probably tend to have more money than the average person. <laughs> so, you know, we'll so, see. Yeah, so that's a new crowd. Um, one of the things, I think one of the controversies that have come up when we've tried to expand gambling, and maybe one of the reasons it's taken so long, is that there's a lot of concern, especially among like people with stakes in casinos, that this is going to, I think they use the word cannibalize money from you know traditional brick-and-mortar casinos, right? It, and so we've heard this from iGaming, we've also heard this from the VGTs, the terminals and taverns and bars, right? So yeah, what are the arguments around that? It's right. It's, 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 it's intensely political. Um, not even the, all the casinos see this all one way. I mean, right. some casinos were not thrilled with the leap to the Internet. Um, they opposed it. At least two of them did. But, uh, yeah, if, if you can go essentially play on a slot machine at your corner bar, are you going to travel 30 to 40 miles to go to a casino? Um, there's a reason why putting these terminals in bars is viewed as the biggest new moneymaker for the state, and it's because it is very convenient gambling. Right. Um, now, the question about whether the votes are there in the House and Senate for this is, is uh, up for debate, and we won't know. It, it did uh, fail in a, in a test vote in the House last summer. But, um, you know, the stakes are higher. The, the state's deficit is looking worse. Uh, tax collections have been really bad. And 
um, you know, if, if it's desperate times, perhaps people change their votes. And this is a go-to thing, and this is not just Pennsylvania, a lot of states. When there is financial trouble, they don't want to raise taxes, they turn to gambling. They turn to vice. Vice. Liquor, gambling, One of the big ones cigarettes. in last year's budget was cigarettes. I do want to ask about the BGTs, though. Um, one of the interesting things that I've been hearing about this, and I want to see, like, you know, if you think this is a legitimate argument, is that uh, it's already happening. Uh, there's already, you know, illegal terminals and game in casinos and taverns in some areas of the state. Uh, and so this is just regulating something that's happening anyway. You know, is that for real? That, that is one of the arguments that um, right now uh, the state is is uh, losing out on this golden opportunity that these machines are already in uh, bars uh, in parts of the state. Um, Illinois has a full-fledged uh, program like this that's legal and it's it's reaping uh, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars a year for the state. So um, there's an argument that says the casinos wouldn't lose money from this it's because it's already happening. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's gambling. We're going to be watching that for a couple of weeks, but this was, you know, a big step forward for our legislature. Um, I want to ask you as well... Um, Real ID, uh, the fix, the legislative fix that would bring Pennsylvania into compliance with federal ID laws. This is your driver's license. Um, there, you know that that was passed this week. Finally, after mm-hmm. months of debate, years. and the governor years of debate, and the governor, um, as we speak today, has not signed it yet, but is signing it. And by the time you hear this, you will have signed it. It'll be law. So uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but what are the, the salient points people need to know about Real ID? So the ramifications of not complying with the federal government on this, and this is a 2005 law right. that we're right. still catching up to, um, is that your driver's license would not be valid to get into a federal facility, so say a prison or a, a, a nuclear power plant, which is regulated by the federal government. Um, and next year, without some sort of uh, action by the state or uh, deferment by the federal government, you would not be able to board a commercial uh, air carrier, an, an airline. You couldn't travel by air with your driver's license. It wouldn't be valid. So this bill that the governor is signing brings Pennsylvania into compliance, and it will create two different IDs. One is compliant with uh, the federal government, in which you're going to have to prove you're an American citizen before you can get a driver's license, and then there will be one license that doesn't comply. It, it, doesn't, it, it only requires you to prove your residency. It doesn't really necessarily require you to prove that you're a U.S. citizen. Um, and it'll be your choice. Um, the burden of educating people as to the difference will be on uh, the State Department of Transportation. And... Um, There could be legislation down the road to make it clear that if you want what we call a real ID, an ID that, uh, you know, complies with the heightened standards by the federal government, you'll have to pay for it. You'll have to pay a premium for that. Sure. So, I mean... That's sort of the state. I mean, initially, this legislation would have just created real ID for everyone and sort of blanket thing. So this is them giving a backdoor to the people who truly don't agree with this standard. Right. For years, there's been... Um, concerns from um, the right and the left that this was an unwarranted government intrusion into privacy, that it could create a national ID, um, um, and um, it kind of of fuses, you know, the, the war on terrorism with very futuristic concerns about a big brother society government. Um, 
And it, it, it went so far that in 2013, the legislature passed legislation uh, prohibiting the government from complying, the state government from complying with this federal law. Right. The governor at the time signed it. So this this bill that that Tom Wolf, the governor now, is signing, will repeal that law as well. Right. And um, one thing I think interesting to note, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, is that that political, it's not clear, you know, where the political lines on this go. It's not really a party thing. We saw uh, conservatives, most of whom are against this, you know, align with the ACLU, which mm-hmm. is usually pretty left-leaning right. over this. They both opposed it. Um, and I think there's a point to be made that Pennsylvania is not alone here. Half the no. states, according to the Department of Homeland Security, the federal Department of Homeland Security, half the states have not complied with it yet. Right. So now this there's, is a and there's a lot issue. of bills pending because the department is 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 starting to draw the line and say we're we're not giving any more deferments. Now's the time to comply. So a larger issue than just Pennsylvania, but we are getting on board with federal regulations at this yes. point. Um, I want to talk just briefly about pensions um, because there's always, I think we're always low-grade thinking about pensions in this state. Uh, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, I was actually looking at the numbers yesterday. We're like 60% funded, our mm-hmm. pension liability, which is not good at all. Um, so our you know overhead on that is $70 billion, give or take. That's how much we have not funded. That's money that the state, you know, it needs to pay eventually. Um, and what we're looking at now is a pension bill that wouldn't really make a difference in the debt. That's right. So um, there will be no short-term relief right. for school districts and the state. So if you are a property taxpayer in your school district, your bill is not going to go down because of this. Uh, your, your property tax bill will not go down because of this legislation. What is this is going to do is introduce a 401k component into the pensions of state employees and school district employees. Um, it will be, the benefit will be roughly commensurate. There will be differences depending on uh, how high your salary is, how long you stay in government. Um, the the biggest defense of, of doing this is that the state and school districts will be protected from wild fluctuations in securities markets if there's a recession, if, if their investments for some reason perform extremely poorly, they won't have as big of a pension debt uh, uh, rocketing up. And it's I think it begs the point that this pension debt is partly because the state is in large part because the state wasn't paying its bills when it should have been paying its bills. And we're talking about for about a decade and a half now. Um, another big uh, generator here is a 2001 law in which lawmakers uh, jacked up pension benefits for everyone and made it retroactive for themselves, for as, themselves well. as well. Yeah, and that's where it started. Yeah. So this was a huge increase in pension benefits. Mm-hmm. And so now I think one of the big arguments, and you mentioned, you know, transfer, when they say, you know, this is going to uh, protect taxpayers a little bit, they use the term risk transfer a lot. I know uh, Senator Corman, mm-hmm. who's sponsoring the main bill, um, uses that phrase when he's, you know, saying this is why we're doing it. And essentially, you know, I think to put it in clearer terms, maybe this would transfer some risk at some point from taxpayers to the actual people who have the pensions, so state employees, meaning that they don't get as much money. I mean, you know how a 401k works, listeners. Um, So, you know, there is concern among Democrats that this doesn't, you know, do enough, you know, to justify, like, decreasing people's benefits. Um, Although it seems like Democrats are much more on board with this plan than they have been in the past. 
Democrats actually cooperated with a similar concept that came out of the House uh, last year. Um, the right. Senate rejected it. The Senate has a different idea on how you should share the traditional pension benefit with the 401k component. So, um, you know, it's there's there's way too much to it to sit here and discuss now. But the bottom line is, future employees, future hires, uh, would essentially get a lower traditional pension benefit, but they would also get a 401k uh, pension style pension benefit along with it. And um, um, the, the hope is that the state won't roll up another big pension debt the way it has. Right. And I guess I would say maybe the bottom line to this and the specific bill is that when you talk to an expert on this and you're like, you know, how can Pennsylvania get out of this massive pension debt? Basically, what you hear from them is we need to pay it off faster. It's really the only way to, you know, dollar for dollar decrease the debt. And this bill will not do that. It does not do that. Um, so when we talk about $60, $70 uh, billion in pension debt, we're talking about paying that over, you know, paying that off over 30-some-odd years. So we're talking about $200 billion in payments over that stretch to get rid of the debt. Um, and, and it's a future debt. It could, it could, you know, there's wiggle room. It, it, could, it could go down, it could go up, depending on how the market performs, depending on lifespans, depending on, you know, the retirement of employees. And so um, the only way um, to get rid of it is to pay it down faster because every day the debt exists, it's earning, or we're paying interest on it, more or right. less. All right, so that's pensions. We'll be following that. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing more of this bill in the c- coming weeks. I think early next month is uh, their target. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. And, and there's, a, there's a growing belief it can pass. This is the, now the yes. fifth straight year in yes. which a governor was willing to sign something and that the legislature could not get something to a governor's desk that he would sign. Right. So there's, there's newfound hope here. But I think there also should be the point made that even if this does pass, this <laughs> issue is not going to go away. There's still going to be lots of people yelling about pensions, and it's going to be an issue to watch. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a huge drag on the state budget, uh, pension costs, and on school district property tax bills. All right. Uh, last thing I want to get to today, we saw, and I miss most of this, but we saw a, uh, a lot of protests at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, you may have seen pictures of a lot of people clogging the halls over there. Uh, Mark, what was that all about? So this is an organization called March on Harrisburg, and, and they came with uh, a three-item agenda, but they focused this week on gift ban legislation, legislation that would ban lawmakers from taking gifts from people who want to influence them. Right now, Pennsylvania has no limit on what lawmakers can take. Um, the Wolf administration uh, does have a ban on what executive branch employees can accept from people who want to influence them. Um, lawmakers don't. Um, and um, in Harrisburg, there's a culture of lawmakers uh, having their, their meals and drinks bought and paid for by lobbyists when they're in town. And um, not all of it is reported. And, and in fact, the vast majority of it may not be reported. It's hard right. to know. And we should say that technically they are supposed to report everything that they are given, but the reporting laws are pretty lax. It, it kicks in at a $250 minimum or $650 from one giver over the over a period of a year. Sure. All right. So I, I, there is a lot of wiggle room for them to be, you know, getting certain things, certain money from people with agendas. That's sort of the bottom line here. So why have we not seen very much 
movement on this. The legislature has been very resistant to passing anything that would change this gift ban law. Yeah, look, bills like this have been introduced before and they've gone nowhere. Um, Every time a scandal comes up, there's always a discussion about this. Um, But the legislature has been resistant to uh, changing this. Um, So the gifts they typically get are the meals, the drinks, the hospitality to, you know, come come to our convention, come to our uh, our association, uh, you know, meet up. Sometimes they take trips overseas, they take trips to other states, they get uh, free golf, they get tickets to professional sporting events um, like the, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers, they get tickets to Penn State games, they get tickets to go ski for free, they get free golf passes. Uh, historically, there's been a lot of that, um, it's, it, but you know, no one really knows the full universe of what people get because it's quite possible that the vast majority of it is not reported. Right. So this group did want that. Um, They focused on that this week. We will see. I mean, are we expecting there to be any action on gift ban from this legislature, especially now during the budget? No, there's been no hue and cry from rank and file lawmakers to somehow uh, tighten uh, transparency or tighten, um, you know, ethics laws. Right. So uh, they also, you mentioned they had two more items on their agenda, these March on Harrisburg protesters. Uh, Less attention to these items, but uh, one of the big ones is redistricting. And we have seen some, you know, talk among lawmakers about changing redistricting laws. Um, You know, currently it's up to politicians to, we call this gerrymandering. You're familiar with the term gerrymandering. Um, it's up to politicians to redraw districts every 10 years after the census. Um, so what they would want this to happen is to create an independent committee made up of citizens um, that would have a, a hand in this process. They would be technically, or by, they'd be designed to be impartial, though there's questions about, you know, how can anybody ever be impartial? But, uh, you know, are we expecting anything on that? Not from the legislature. There is... Uh, legislation kicking around, but um, y- you know, historically, the legislature doesn't do anything to take power away from the legislature. Right. So, right now, the way um, legislative districts for state lawmakers are drawn is by a five-member commission, four lawmakers and uh, a chairman that either they agree on or that's appointed by the state supreme court. The way congressional districts are drawn is by lawmakers. They pass it in the form of a bill, and the governor signs it. So it's very political. It's always political, and I don't know that uh, there's a willingness by this legislature to change what it's been doing for decades. All right. Um, and then the last thing, and this, again, is something that really hasn't we haven't heard from, from the legislature, but this group also wanted to do automatic voter registration, which is something that's, I think, I mean, a little bit more far out. We do have, I think, we have a bill introduced in one chamber on that, but not in the other, and I can't remember which chamber it is. But at this point, it really doesn't matter because nobody's pushing it. Yeah, there's there's no uh, debate around that that I've heard of in, yeah. in the state legislature. All right, so lots of protests. I'm sure we'll hear more of that. But as we go into the budget, these things really are not on the legislature's priority list at all. Um, so certainly interesting to watch. Um, Mark, anything you're looking at for the next week? Anything that's uh, catching your eye? Look, I mean, you know, the pension legislation, what what the Senate does with budget legislation that they have in their in their chamber that the House passed in April. Um, 
you know, the governor is intent on merging agencies. Um, whether the legislature plays ball with that will be uh, interesting. Um, but, but really, you know, uh, the state has to figure out how to deal with its finances yet again. Whether they deal with it in a, a long-term way or a short-term way uh, remains to be seen. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to be having a lot of discussion on these items that we have talked about today. Those are going to be things that you hear about again and again as we get closer to the budget. So keep an eye on that, and we will be back next week to talk about it some more. Thanks a lot. Mark, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me.